بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا آقبة للمتقين ولا عدوانا إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحسن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Righty ho folks So second lesson of the year Hopefully everybody is now on the portal And moved over from anything which is uh, um, Well not as complete as the portal I was thinking about um, the app Now obviously the Android app's in play And now the Apple one as well So if you've downloaded it Which I hope you have Try it out and then get some uh, uh, Feedback if you have any Onto the um, to the developers that they email, uh, which is uh, post it again, Laka. Shaz is going to post it again in the in the thingy magic. Um, obviously, there's going to be some issues. Some people are talking about, you know, how we're going to be able to comment and watch at the same time. I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to be possible. I mean, on such a small screen. It will be. I mean, there is the visibility now. It's just it's just be working on the the, the, the mobile thing. You seem to work on the bottom, but you can. Yeah. On on YouTube, but our comments are not on the YouTube portal. They're on our portal. Oh, you mean whilst watching YouTube on a mobile phone? You mean you can comment? Are you one of those YouTube commenters? <laughs> are you one of those barred people of all the human history? <laughs> Are you voice of reason? One, two, three. <laughs> I don't think it's possible to comment on a on a thingy. You know that YouTube commenters are the enemies of mankind. Like they are their own synthia, their own category of enemies. Okay, then that's fine. So um, anyway, so a couple of things. The first thing, which is very important, is for us to look at Yani who smashed it in the LP exam, either original one or the re not retake. Did you just say retake? Astaghfirullah, what are you saying that for? Not retake, deferred. Did the deferred uh, thingy? Yeah. And although I've got no idea what I'm speaking to you baggies for, yeah, because you lot have not even seen an exam. Okay, maybe Jiva has. Maybe, okay, maybe Farzana has. Okay, maybe a few of you have. But these lot have not even seen the exam. I don't think you guys have even opened a portal in your life. Oh, shut up, yeah, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. Oh, portal, because they haven't got a clue. These lot have not seen a set of notes in their life. Never seen any question, any interaction. The only thing, they just watch the big screen, laugh at everybody else's comments. They don't have anything else, basically. They don't have any kind of, you know, they just wait for Lutz to basically comment, have a laugh at Lutz, and then that's it. And they, you know. So I don't know why I'm you know, completely wasted in you lot. But for the people online, Zakimullah khair. So who smashed this year? Who was winner last year? Was it Ruhi? Did she? She, she got first mark. No, no, Zafar, Zafar gets it every year. Zafar said, I just, I just want to say, Zafar, Zafar writes the exam. And still to this day, he has not got his own questions right. I want you to think about that. I don't know what that's saying, Yanni, okay? I don't know what that means. It's so hard. It's so hard, yeah? That you can't even get your own flipping exam right. 
you complete Paggy. I mean, what, what does that even mean? So anyway, Zafar became number, came number one, which doesn't count. And he got 95.77. 95.77. And how do you can I, what way is that? Is that like, was that like two questions? I'm more than happy for you to do your best to carry on. There's complete silence now for your discaveat. Okay. One or two of the questions are slightly dodgy. Right. So, obviously, Mesa will, will let everybody, the whole world know. <laughs> did you just, did you just no, hate, did you just hate on Mesa right there publicly? Because no, she will smack you down, bro. She smacks me down every year. <laughs> I, I know. And she still beats him. By the way, that's, that's really poor. But anyway, Rohi did not get top mark this year. She got <coughs> second, which is all right. You know, as things go, it's all right. But she got second, mashallah, um, with 93. And you know who smashed it? Hamza smashed it this year. He came first. Yeah, Hamza Qureshi, he came first. And Sister Hinna, she got 94. They, they both got 94, basically. So we got equal first. <coughs> equal first, and then a straight second. And then we've got a whole load of folks yani, on uh, an equal third. So the best uh, uh, yank that we've got is Nihad. Okay, mashallah, well done to him. And yeah, Abna Nihad, yeah. yeah. Nihad smashes it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Top geezer, yeah. And Taymur, Ad Taymur from London. He got, he got equal third. Yeah, well done. And uh, Saqib from uh, Toronto, mashallah. Well done, bro. Mesa was there as well. And Kwaikuti as well. Jamila. All right, Dina did well, 90. MashaAllah, there's some good results. Now, what we don't have is our breakdown of countries, because that's important, because we've got to diss the Yanks, yeah? And I have a feeling that there's been a comeback from the Brits. Mustafa Munye, MashaAllah, Alad Yani, yep, he was in there with 90. But we've got some Yanks in there, I can see. Tosif Zaman, I can see. Sharmin, okay, who's with us now, but that's Canadian in it. That's all right, we don't mind that. Yep. And uh, so, Raheel as well. That's why he sent the cake in, because they only got 84, yeah? But he did my best with the cake. But mashallah. You see that? All of you lot. None of you are there. But, uh, Danish got 80. That's all right. Danish got 80. Like yeah, I've now. Gary. Yeah. Gary. Did all right. Did all right, Gary. You remember, uh, for those who are on Hajj this year, right? Do you remember the American, Gibran? No. Remember Gibran with the glasses? <laughs> Professor of thingy. Huh? My twin. Your twin. Exactly. Your twin. <laughs> exactly him, yeah. So Gibran, mashallah, he did well. And uh, Sumaira got, did well. Jiva did well, mashallah. Well done, Jiva. And Rehan. Yeah, so well done. Well done, folks. So in celebration of the people who did well, especially... Um, come on, Zafar, get up, man. Okay. Especially uh, Ruhi. I want to say Ruhi and Hamza, especially Hamza and Hinna, especially. I'm going to eat chocolate on your behalf because <laughs> that's, the, that's the only honorable thing. Lala, give this to the... Ladies, although to be honest, there's too much, Yanni. You should share half between, uh, one between two of you, okay? Because chocolate's not good for you, though. All right? And uh, as for the lads... Uh, complex. I don't give people complex. People give themselves complex. Not me. All right? So, Ruhi, I just want you to know that we celebrate your, your, your victory and your stability. Why are we celebrating her second? Sorry, Hamza... Yeah, because Hamza's Middlesbrough or London or somewhere at the moment. And Henna as well. I'm sure that you will be very happy to know that I'm having a chocolate lint bar. That's no joke, by the way. I'm just, I'm just saying, this ain't fudge. Yeah, or curly whirly tenpence. 
Is it 10 pence still? 15, pe 15 pence curly whirly, yeah? Or even a snicker. That's got to be at least 50p that. A bar, lint bar. Pound, shut up. Say, custom is Is that a coin, yeah? Flip us a guinea. Woof. Listen, guys, uh, one between three, please. <laughs> no, it's a pound, bro. That's a game changer. Don't be any. You know what I'm saying? You boys, you can do half because you know what I mean? Men need chocolate. Men need energy. Oh, la, la. What do you mean, how come? Because it takes us, you know, our thinking is more important. <laughs> our thinking is more difficult as well. But. But it's important because you know this sunnah of eating chocolate, yani, you know, we messed it up last year, Bismillah. Oh my goodness. Listen. One, two, three. One between four, it's got four quarters. Make sure you spit it out. All the fat souls, yani, can only have one, one piece. The thin guys can have three pieces. Okay, yeah, we're going to speak about my garden after Zira. Right. That is so nice. Used to on a diet anyway. Shaz doesn't need to diet anymore, but you, Zafar, yeah? Lala, you put on some white custom you have, yeah? Was that my stomach? Was that your stomach? <laughs> Can we do some dars now? I mean, you know what I mean? It's good to establish sunnah, isn't it? Sunnah tariqa. Sunnah tariqa, isn't it? Lala, go on. Lala, one piece. No, come here. I'm just throwing you. I know you. You're a dangerous guy. Oh, mobile comments are showing now. I'm making up the list. You can see the comments now. Ross, was that too? <laughs> Guys, I just want to say online that you're just going to have to give me a second because this is freaking good. Hmm. Ibrahim, what embargo on Switch? What are you talking about? Mahboub. I used to cuss Swedish chocolates, but Mahboub proved me wrong. They got some sick chocolates. Feel free to send them over. Anytime. Also, Rahil, we want to know how you sent that cake. Did he get that made locally? Uh, yeah, I got the baker's name. <laughs> no, because I know you're going to give it to him, and it's not good for him. I have to look after him. Well, that was for me, <laughs> oh my god, I'm full of that violin. Uh, so, but also me. Comments, comments are working on mobile. You can see the comments, but you can't make one. But you can't make one. So, who's making them then if you couldn't see them? No, on the mobile I'm talking about the mobile app. You're saying you can't make them, but you can see them. So, who's making them? Oh, you're watching the desktop ones, okay. I don't know why you don't do that for. No, that's enough. You leave him alone, okay? He's in a disciplined moment. All right, we need to focus now, okay? Because we've got a serious topic, and I don't want you to make it one of frivolity. Frivolity. That's how you say it, yeah? Frivolity. Frivolous. Speaking to Yasser Qadi today on the phone, and he said something, and it did my head in. He said, nonchalant. And I knew it was sick when he said that. Nonchalant. I said, are you Likapar or what? <laughs> nonchalant. I said, nonchalant? What the hell is nonchalant? 
I said, it's nonchalant. He goes, no, it's nonchalant. Or some, some, some silly guy. These Americans got messed up the English completely, you know that? Frivolous, frivolity. Anyway, that's enough frivolity. We have a serious subject today. And it is continuing. Uh, can we get all the jokes out of the way now first? Because now I, I need to make sure that we're very serious. Anyone want to bust any jokes? Anyone want to talk about anything that of no meaning or no faida? Yeah, we done? All right, let's read the thingy. Yes, Mariam, you keep watching that chocolate, bro. All right, come on. Bring the notes up, Lala. Bismillah. So, in the Arabic, we are about to make some dua. Down, 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 down. Okay, there we go. So, وَيَسْتَعِيذُ Okay, five lines from the bottom. وَيَسْتَعِيذُ مِنْ عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمُ وَعَذَابِ الْقَبَرِ وَفِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَا وَالْمَمَاتِ وَفِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ وَيَدْعُ بِمَا وَرَدْ I doubt if we'll get there to the end. Um, translation is, up, up. Then he seeks refuge from the punishment of hell and the punishment of the grave and the punishment of life and the punishment of death and the punishment of the false messiah supplicating with that which is narrated. All right? That's what we're continuing with. Last four or five weeks, actually, we've been on this. Yeah? Then he seeks just in case, because I can't remember what I said, you know, last year. But just in case, then he seeks. Yes, Okay, here is not obligatory. All right, it is a sunnah to do so. Your salah is valid. Obviously, we're going to come to obligatory and pillars and sunnah later. But this is just the structure we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so where did we stop? We stopped when we were talking about um, what were we talking in that that list? Yeah, yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we, we're finished, actually. So now we're talking about the sixth issue. The sixth issue. The fifth issue was whether... Um, the, the fifth issue was, is the uh, punishment of the grave reduced... For the believer who is a sinner. Is that possible for it to be reduced? And we said yes it's possible. Okay. Um, and then it's the sixth issue now. هَلْ أَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ مِنْ أُمُورُ الْغَيْبِ أَوْ مِنْ أُمُورُ At the bottom of page 182. Is the punishment of the grave come under the category of the seen matters or the unseen matters? As we mentioned briefly last week that the world and everything that's in it, okay, or life I should say, is in two categories. That which we can experience and see and, and uh, interact with and understand and so on. And that which is the ghayb. And that's shahada. The shahid is the one who witnesses, okay, and sees. And then you've got the ghayb as well, which is the unseen. All right? Ghayb means absent. All right? And there's an important point we need to make, um, which I, I think we touched upon last week when we talk, spoke about the whole deep fake, fake thing. All right? That a lot of people, obviously in this world, especially this country and in the West, with this very big focus on empiricism, which is basically the boiling down of everything to that which can be observed or calculated. All right? And as long as it can be proven or shown in a formula or by the eye or seen, then it's to be believed. Now, of course, all people of faith reject empiricism as an objective. They accept it as a tool, but not as an objective. And the main reason for that is because we recognize truth to be from the ghayb as well. Truth to be in the seen world, yes, but truth to be from the unseen world as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not present himself 
until the day of judgment. No one will get to see Allah before then. So therefore, empirically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be seen. So those people who will therefore say that unless I see God, then I'm not going to believe, well then they're not going to believe. And good luck to them. And that's the problem with their empiricism. And most of our truth, in fact our big truths, our big faith points are from the unseen. In which there's a lesson for us. That don't big up the things that you see. You know, we give a lot of respect and a lot of importance to the seen world. You know, we always want proof. We always want to have it in writing. We want to see it for ourselves. You know, these, these cliched phrases, let me see it for myself. You know what it is? Actually, that's overrated. Seeing things for yourself doesn't mean much. Yani, seeing it in writing also doesn't mean much. It's far more important for you to be more confident with that which is not seen. Because you know that your, what you see is in question, your ability to see, and your ability to interpret. And obviously, after mentioned last week, what we've seen now is what people are able to put forward as, a, as, a, as trickery that makes the situation even worse. What we thought was 100% certain is actually something completely the opposite. My point is that we mustn't become so arrogant that we believe our own algorithms, our own formula, formula, formulas, our own yani, witnessing of events or X or Y, Z. We can be seeing it wrong, understanding it wrong, making mistakes, etc., etc., etc. And we can then go further and we'll come to, uh, to a point here. Anyway, so this question, is it from the ghayb or is it from the shahada? The answer is it's from the ghayb. Okay, the adab of qabr is from the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, ghayb and uh, how many people are there that are in the graves and they're being punished and we have absolutely no idea. We can't hear anything, can't see anything, can't feel anything whatsoever at all. And um, in fact, if the Prophet ﷺ had not been told about it, then he wouldn't have known either. That's a big statement to make actually, but it's a good statement to make. If the Prophet ﷺ was not told, you know of course our Brelvi brothers and sisters it's part of their belief, you know, that the Prophet ﷺ knows the unseen, okay? Actually, this hadith in Sahih Muslim, actually a number of hadith in Sahih Muslim on this particular issue completely refute that. I mean, it's insane to hold that belief anyway, that the Prophet ﷺ knows the unseen, that he has the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, 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 and whatever the deviations are. But this particular point that he knows the unseen is complete rubbish. A famous hadith which is narrated in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ came into his house, the house of Aisha, uh, anha, she's sitting there with a Jewish woman. In another narration, it is two Jewish women. There are, there are versions of this, by the way. All the versions are authentic. All the versions are authentic. And um, the, the Jewish lady says to the... Says to, uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, Aisha, you know, she's very generous. Yeah? She would not leave food at home. And people hungry, they normally go to Aisha's house. And she's always giving. So these Jewish ladies have come for some food. And Aisha has given them some food. And this Jewish lady, to thank her, she said that in this narration, she said, uh, do you, uh, are you aware that you will be punished in the grave? Or that you will be trialed in the grave, I should say? Tuftanun fil qubur. Are you aware of that? This is like her gift back. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you might not know this, but I'm telling you now so you, you get yourself ready. It's like, thank you. It's like when you say, Jazakallah khair. Yep. So I'm giving you this little gift of knowledge. Like shaitan gave us what? Ayatul Kursi. Yeah. So this kind of thing can happen. And so she's kind of said, you know, do you know that? And in another narration, she actually made the dua. May Allah protect you from the punishment of the grave. In that narration, Aisha said, 
فعجبت يعني I was amazed by this statement I never heard of this idea before never heard of the concept before and so when the Prophet ﷺ came then I asked him alright in this version of the hadith and all of these are possible because Aisha is narrating this incident in general and then the various tabi'een will then take slight versions of the same incident in this particular narration um, uh, the, the, the Prophet uh, Aisha said that the Prophet ﷺ was like, uh, not startled, but uh, I don't know. What's that? Taken back. Taken back, maybe. Yeah, taken back, maybe. I think that's more kind of polite way of saying it. Taken back. And he said that the only people that will be punished in the grave or that will be trialed in the grave are the Jews. Okay? The only people. In the Matuftanu Yahud. Only the, the Yahud will be. Aisha said, فَلَبِثْنَ layali. A number of nights went by. A number of nights went by. And then the Messenger of Allah then said to Aisha one day, however many days we don't know, short period of time, layali and it indicates not too long. He said that, did you feel or hear about, or did you know that what it was revealed to me, that you will be trialed in the graves? Do you know that actually I've been told, it's been revealed to me, it's been revealed to me, it's been sent down to me that you will be trialed in the graves. Aisha said, From that day on, I never saw him pray. And the other hadith makes it even more clearer. Because I remember that narration clearer. He said, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi never prayed a single prayer after that day, except that I heard him seeking refuge from the punishment of the grave. <coughs> All right? This hadith is very interesting. All of these hadith, when they're combined, very interesting. What are the lessons? The lessons are uh, the importance of generosity, the importance of taking knowledge from other people, uh, checking uh, sources, um, the, the, the proof of the punishment of the grave. Remember we spoke last week or last year as well, there are many people who deny the punishment of the grave. This is the, from the most authentic of hadith. This hadith in Sahih Muslim, which is at the bottom in the book of Masajid, hadith number 584. Okay? Um, the presence of the punishment of the grave, that the punishment of the grave is not just for the kuffar, the punishment of the grave is for the Muslims as well, that it's required to make dua, that there is ways to protect yourself. Number of benefits from the hadith itself, which we, sh- we can assume. So, uh, uh, the, 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 the important one, that the Prophet does not know the unseen. If he knew the unseen, he shouldn't have had. He wouldn't have said to the lady that you know you got it wrong, right? So he didn't know the unseen, and that he also uh, is receiving revelation, which we know anyway. Uh, interesting point, by the way. There are Orientalists that argue that the Prophet Sallallahu not only has uh, knowledge, uh, doesn't have knowledge of the unseen, but that he was taught by the Jews. This is not. This is not correct. He was not. He actually refused to take this from the Jews. He was given wahi by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So this is not. What he took from them, but what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. That's an important caveat as well. Sheikh says um, that it's possible that, uh, that also that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives specific knowledge at specific times to people, even the Prophet. For example, when he went past the, the two men who were being punished in the grave, the hadith that we, uh, uh, we covered last, last uh, week question should be, what are the wisdoms of making this from the unseen and not the seen? Because there would be a huge impact if it was from the seen. Agreed? So why keep it from the unseen? The first is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
truly is Arhamur Rahimin. He is the most merciful of those that have any kind of concept of mercy. He smashes all of that mercy. He knows that which we don't know and appreciate about ourselves. If we knew that our deceased were being punished in the grave, and we knew after trying absolutely everything that we couldn't do anything about it, imagine your father or your child or your brother or your sister, and you knowing and hearing them being punished in the grave. Imagine that. Sheikh Hathameen mentions, he says here, he goes, you would die. He goes, you would die. I think you would die. If you don't kill yourself, then you would die of, of, of some emotional stress. I mean, I, may Allah never show that to anybody. Okay, I, just think about that, right? If it was from the Shahada, if, if it was from the seen world. So Allah protected us, actually, at that moment, and our mental state, and our emotional state, and our spiritual state. Because who knows, Yani, what would happen to us? Uh, so as Sheikh says, min So this is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He kept it from the unseen. <clears throat> And if you understand this point, it's actually a game changer because it's it kind of humbles yourself. Because as I said, we're always like, I want to see the truth. You know, show me this to be the truth so that I can believe in you more, or send me a miracle so that I can have more faith. Or you know, there's a general desire, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course, because everything that you see that makes you more certain of Allah is only a good thing, not a bad thing. But this should humble you that you know what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He doesn't show you these things, it's actually for your own benefit. Not yani, you should be reducing it to, oh no, I didn't see it with my own eyes, so it's not good enough. So I think that's a good point. Secondly, this is more protective for the deceased as well, for their honor, for their reputation. Yani, that we don't know whether they're being punished in the grave or not. This is yani, for the honor of their name. Their, and this, this exists in society anyway. Forget about from the religious. Uh, I think you know when someone uh, what's the don't know what example they they um, huh? no no I I mean in the the secular world you know like in the films I'm talking about what do they do they said that he will say that he died but he actually was a criminal or he did something criminal at the end you know you get that case don't you who was, was a famous one where someone is, someone's basically like a, like a hero yeah and as far as the public are concerned the hero has died. A martyr's death. In actual fact, the people close to him know that he was maybe trying a coup or something, and he was killed in the coup, and the coup was yani, quashed very, very quickly before anybody got found out. So this would bring shame upon his entire legacy. But more importantly, it would bring shame upon the security apparatus. How did you miss that this guy was actually one of the, one of, one of the others? So we're going to hide it up for our benefit. And we're going to hide it for his legacy as well. And we're going to say he died as a martyr in attack. You get my point? So people do that yani, for dunyai purposes. What about then for the akhirah purpose? All right? So it is, it is that yani, uh, uh, protecting the honor. Third benefit of it being from the matters of the ghayb is that it would make it impossible for people to bury. And to bury people is from the basic rights of all creation. Animals. Uh, of all types, let alone nani, human beings of all religions, and then especially the Muslim. It's one of the specific hukuk, absolute divine rights of the deceased that they are to be given an honorable burial. An honorable burial does not even refer to the dua and to the janazah and whatever, but to be protected in the ground deep from you know, harm and from animals and from whatever, whatnot. And we learn from Surah Al-Baqarah and what the 
what they saw from the crow, and yani, you know, that this was a real basic right of all creation, not even humanity. Now, if that's the case, and we know that, and people could, knew about the punishment of the grave, they wouldn't bury their dead. They wouldn't even go to the graves. It would be impossible. They wouldn't go to the graves, first of all, because they'd be too scared, because you're hearing and seeing all of that. And secondly, they wouldn't want to put their deceased into that. They would think, if I keep them in my room, if I keep them in this place, then they're going to be protected. Does that make sense? And we have a hadith here as well. The Prophet Sallallahu he said, لَوْلَا أَلَّا تَدَافَنُوا لَسَأَلْتُ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُسْمِعَكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ الَّذِي أَسْمَعُ This hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim, hadith number 2867. He said, if it wasn't for the fact that you would have stopped burying your people, if it wasn't for the fact that you would have stopped burying your people, I would have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow you to hear of the punishment that happens in the grave like I hear. But because you would stop doing it, and the greater right is theirs to be buried, I did not ask Allah this dua. Think about that. Okay, so it is from the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we would not bury our people if we did know that even Allah and His Messenger did not allow that to occur. The fourth benefit, that this would be a big problem for the family, the relations. Yani to have this knowledge, everybody hearing and knowing about yani this and, and how they would be uh, judged, you know, uh, the family name as well. Everybody's going to have to put it down to somewhere, bring it back to somewhere, some um, place. The fifth, which is an important one, that if the punishment of the grave was something which was clear to everybody to see, then there would be no distinction in believing, in Iman. There's no difference between you and the non-Muslim. Okay? Because Iman itself would not be difficult anymore. And this point, I, I speak a lot about this point in different forms, to different people. Um, and it's the most humbling of our religion. There are certain things that we want to see or hear. But if we do see or hear those things, then our excuse is gone as well. Then we're under a greater stress of responsibility. I'll give you an example. If you're struggling for Fajr right now, or you're struggling with hijab right now, or you're struggling with doing any of the halal, uh, the, the obligatory actions, or you're falling into the haram, and that's now, knowing that Islam is the truth, knowing Islam is the truth, and still having the opportunity to seek forgiveness and make tawbah right now, if you could hear the people of the grave, just this small part, if you could see the punishment of the grave or know of the punishment of the grave with your eyes and it wasn't now from the matters of the unseen, then you would lose your opportunity for tawbah, lose your opportunity for istighfar, your iman wouldn't mean anything because everybody would believe. Because nobody believes that there's something there. Everybody uses their eyes and ears. When they see that someone's been punished in the grave, then of course what they said, all those yani, mythical fairy, tori- st- fairy stories were all true. All those people who said that there was a grave and there was an afterlife and there was a God and there is judgment. It's all true. So the iman is gone, right? That's why the hadith is so important for us to understand this and then to propagate it amongst people. The hadith of Tawbah ending on two things. What are the two things that end Tawbah? Or the opportunity for Tawbah? When the sun rises from the west and that is what ends Tawbah for the community, for the world. And what's the second thing which ends Tawbah? When the soul reaches the throat, are your moment of death, and that's the individual moment or end of Toba. So we have an individual end of Toba, and we have a humanity end of Toba. The individual one, why is it when the soul reaches the throat? Because what's the point of saying, Yani Amanna now? 
Yani what? When, you've, when you're done? When you're literally dead, now you say, I believe? And that's exactly what happened to Fir'aun. And as the hadith states, Jibreel alayhi salam, to humiliate him even more, stuffed his mouth full of the mud from the bottom of the sea, so he couldn't even say those words. So he couldn't even have the opportunity whilst he's drowning. So we are talking in the process of dying, even if there's any kind of doubt that his soul has not reached his throat, that he is not dead. Maybe it's because he's struggling to breathe, there's a possibility, or he's dead, but not clinically. Whatever, whatever, he wasn't even given the opportunity to say amanna because of his level of kufr, because of his complete focus on disobedience and arrogance and inab, inad, that stubborn kufr. Yeah? What about then the communal? The communal is an interesting one. Because once the sun rises from the west, then everybody knows that science was all just a tool in the hands of someone bigger. That's the moment that everybody will recognize. Because when the sun rises, every theory breaks down, every algorithm, every empirical fact, everything breaks down. And everyone who said this was going to happen, they're going to be then put on a pedestal. And everyone will believe. And without even seeing Allah, everyone will accept it. So what's the point of that? Where's the challenge? Where is the value of faith? Iman is not certainty. Iman requires a jump. It requires something. That's what you're rewarded for. That's what the reward is for. The reward is that without actually seeing Ainul Yaqeen, okay, the eye, yani seeing that certainty with your eyes, you are going to be rewarded for your, your certainty upon the text, upon the circumstances, upon the Prophet, despite you not seeing him, despite the angels, but despite not seeing them, Allah, despite not seeing him, etc., etc., etc. That's faith. That's Iman. So, once everybody sees yani, the sunrise from the west, yani, well, you can go and say, I believe as much as you want. What's, what's, what's so special about believing? So it's likewise with the grave. If you see the people finally punched in the grave, it's the same as the sun rising from the west. Every theory, science, atheism, agnosticism, just breaks down. It becomes absurd. All right? it, has no, um, it has no benefit. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Right, the next point is, he then says, وَمِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَا وَالْمَمَاتِ Right? So then he seeks refuge from the trial or the test uh, of al-mahya wal-mamat. Mahya is another word for haya, mamat is another word for maut. So life and the punishment of death. The trial of life and the trial of death. Now, um, what are we talking about? What type of trial? Is this the trial of the dunya? Okay. Uh, or is it the trial of his deen? So we know it's in his life. But which type? And the answer is the, the fitna of the deen. Because we have separate dua, actually from the sunnah, that are referring, that are used rather at this point. Yani meaning after the durood sharif, after, before you make taslim, which will come to in maybe a week or two or whatever, where the Prophet wasallam taught people to make dua for, for example, Allahumma inni a'udhu bikmail kasal. For example. So the Prophet said, or, Right? Look at these four points. I mean, I'm just speaking randomly. I haven't thought about this, so it's not very, my thoughts are not jointed. They're very disjointed. But here was laziness. In the other hadith, it was uh, uh, thingy, stinginess. What else did I have to say? Uh, uh, to be overcome by debt. Yeah? And. Uh, to become senile, to become useless, to become decrepit, basically. These are not dini issues per se. These are all 
what's the word? Dunya, what's, what's the word? Not secular, these are all. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, worldly, I guess. Yeah. They're all worldly problems. They're worldly issues, physical issues. Yeah, it's not to do with your iman, it's not to do with your ideology. It's if you are become senile, then you become useless, right? Mm-hmm. If you become taken over by debt, then it means that you're going to have to now go from a wealthy lifestyle to a very, very simple mm-hmm. one. So this is not necessarily iman. Does that make sense? That's what, that's what I mean. So when we say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnat al-mahya, this is the fitna of life with respect to our deen, not our dunya, not our worldly matters, our deeny matters. Okay? And the second is then death. And we're going to come to the death. Is it referring to the moment of death or after death? Let's talk about life. What are the, uh, what are the trials of life? They fall into two categories. This is a very famous statement. What are they? The two big tests of life. And I'm talking in Dean. Ibn Taymiyyah wrote a whole essay about this. The two, uh, the two, I'm about to say the two S's. The two S-H's. Nope. Nope. The two SHs meaning Arabic, I mean, sure, the two shahs. The shubuhat and the shahawat. Okay? These are the two, your two main enemies in life. That's what you have to remember at all times. As I said, Ibn Taymiyyah was the one who articulated this best. Shubuhat meaning doubts, attacks in ideology, yani, uh, different theories, ideas, and so on and so forth. Systems and beliefs and creeds and all the nonsense. And shahawat are the worldly desires, your own yani desires. Let's talk a little bit about uh, shubuhat. Shubuhat, you know, there might have become a time, there might have been a time that you would have said, yani, you know, whatever. It's no major. At this moment in time, <coughs> this is maybe more deadly now than the shahawat. The shahawat are super easy to fall into, women or men for women, and uh, you know, uh, laziness, sleeping, missing the prayer, overeating, all the things that are from your desires that lead you into making major mistakes, alcohol, drugs, addictions of every type, uh, smartphones, you know, everything which takes you away from the ibadah, from uh, a serious life, proper life, healthy life. This is shahwat. Any person who falls for addictions, then their life is going to be, uh, meaning those addictions which affect a person in their deen, then it's game over for them, all right? There's major sin unless they make tawbah. Shubuhat, the are the killer. Shubuhat, yani back in the day, used to be the shubuhat of Qadr, right? The shubuhat of the Shia, shubuhat of the Khawarij that we need to overthrow, need to overthrow. And unless we overthrow, nothing's going to get fixed, right? And you'd believe that. You would you'd genuinely believe that. You'd think it's got to be a top-down approach to sorting society out. And people would not look at the sunnah and see that you don't attack the, any, the leaders unless you have the ability. And you know there's a lot of you know, bakwas going on about that as well at the moment. But the point is, is that ideologically back in the day, there were a set of beliefs that didn't even exist. Like if you study perennialism, okay, which is the uh, belief that all religions are the same, or they all lead to God, which is a very mystical kind of, you know, extreme Sufi type of a belief that, uh, in fairness to Sufia, it's not been very common amongst them except in recent times. In actual fact, not only in recent times, but no religious faith, no religious community has ever uh, promoted this concept. Every religious faith, the Christians at the head of them, they were very clear about this. You want salvation, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord. He has to have 
uh, died for your sins and you've got to accept that. Otherwise, nothing. You can't just accept him as a prophet. Like as Muslims, we'll say, we'll take him as a prophet. He's our champion. No, no. You have to accept him as the one who died for your sins and only then can you go to heaven. So they're very clear about that. Today's Christians don't judge them. You know, Christians also, they're kumbaya, bakwasiani, whatever. Hold hands and say we're all love and interfaith and all that nonsense. Yeah, That is not actual Christianity. Yeah? Or Judaism. When you see a lot of these people who are saying that we're all, you know, on the same kind of way. I mean, I don't mind people being pragmatic with words and, you know, just being nice for the... That's fine. Yani. But as an aqidah to believe that Allah sent down different forms of worship, all of them acceptable, and they are fundamentally different. This has never, ever been practiced or believed by any faith until our recent time right now. And that is because of humanism, secularism, liberalism, and these values, these ideologies, these ideologies, they are, you know, making us very, very weak when it comes to our own jealousness, our own izzah, and our own yani, desire to be upon the truth alone. So, so at this moment in time, you know, I wrote something about, uh, uh, was it yesterday or today? Uh, about universities and uh, things like that about the fitna of when a young person goes to university, the, the, the major exposure or the major fitna is a fitna of ideas. And they get to see some people that have been living quite confidently as a different person with different ideas, whatever the idea is, whether they're Muslim or not Muslim. And the weak mind or the fresh mind or the naive mind soaks it up. Especially if that mind has experienced not such a great version of the other side. So they're always looking for a way out. They're looking for a different side. And so they can be very, very susceptible, right? And when you see the pros and the benefits of accepting some of these ideas, everybody then loves one another. Everybody's, you know, in arms with one another. Everybody goes to paradise and everybody, whatever. You know, this, these kind of nice concepts, which are very harmless and very disarming, and they're very, you know, they're great, okay? But they don't represent either the truth, they don't represent either of the faith, they don't represent the text, they don't represent anything. It just represents convenience. That's all it represents. It represents convenience in this dunya. It doesn't represent anything that they actually believe or want to believe. So when you're in this environment, you're under incredible threat. So when you see people and you become friends with those that you have no reason to have a problem with, and then they tell you that actually, you know, I'm like this, or I believe that, and that's it, it's, it's game over. And at this moment in time, the society that we live in, last 50 years or whatever, the project has always been that liberal democracy will be the best way to overcome communism and fascism and whatever. Not just capitalism. Capitalism is just a form of it, okay? But the big response against all the fitna of, you know, the eastern states and whatever, okay, whether it's Chinese or Russian or whatever. The point was is that liberal democracy is what's going to be able to push it away and save us. And I don't think any of these countries, they intended it to reach the level that we're at. Because they were still rooted in some kind of Christian values. They had some, <coughs> still some kind of, you know, some morals and ethics, some limits, some guidelines, some now, of course, they've lost control. Liberal values, humanism, the birth of humanism, where the, where the human over, uh, overrides all other realities, okay? Not just sec secularism is what starts. You, you divide the religious to what, uh, what affects humans. So once you've got religion out of the way, 
then we've just got humans and what's in their best interests. And if we use some basic ethics and morals and values like don't steal, don't kill from what the religions believe, but don't actually apply it as they want it, but use it in a, a system of law, then that's what we'll have, secular democracy. Secular democracy then realize that to let people thrive, they, that come from different backgrounds, we have to allow them to bring something in and all of them to be seen as equal. Therefore, humanism, and that's a liberal policy, and it was still controlled. There are the right wing, for example, the right wing, extreme right wing in this country, which are probably the biggest and strongest voice against some of these crazy ideas, <laughs> right? They're actually doing that. Don't think that they are illiberal. Just know that they are not going to take this level of liberalism. So they actually also want to live in a liberal democracy. It might be right of center, it might be social conservative values, but they also believe in a liberal democracy where the people reign and important, but they see themselves as that form of people, their values being more important. And so what you have now is everybody now being so celebrated for doing what you want, as long as you don't break the law, that now it's reached every kind of crazy level. So I mentioned, you know, this couple in, in Bristol. And you don't like to judge, but, you know, as soon as you found out they lived on a riverboat, yeah, it was game over, isn't it, yeah? <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't like to look for that. But I was looking for that. I was looking, where are they living? Where are they living? Bristol, yeah, yuppie kind of hippie behavior. Then I looked, riverboat. I said, yara, this is a, uh, guaranteed that the next line is going to be, they don't shave either and what kind of thing. <laughs> So anyway, the point, I mean, madness, she goes, you know, she goes, uh, you know, I don't want, the child needs to be able to decide, determine where they want to be, what they want to do. We're not talking about a hermaphrodite, okay? By the way, just so that you know, a hermaphrodite is a very archaic word which is not allowed to be used. It's not politically correct, apparently. The correct word is intersex. Just wanted to let you know, you know, for all you academics out there. But anyway, we will keep using hermaphrodite because we like archaic words like that. We like being backwards and traditional. So the idea is, this, so we're not talking about hermaphrodite, because we already have covered that in immense detail, and they have rights, and we need to look after those. I'm talking about people who are, you know, uh, someone who's born a boy, male, and or a girl, but they don't want to allow what Allah has determined for them to be what they think they are. So they are clearly a boy, but I'm not going to put you that on you. So they, they said that we're going to uh, bring them up in a bubble, which is why they're living on a boat, yeah? And we're going to expose them to everything. So the blue and the pink is there. And, uh, you know, everything. And the child gravitates. It's got some cute ideas, I'm not going to lie. Yeah? <laughs> right? But it's a madness. Bichari, uh, Nani, they didn't tell her what the kid is. The kid, the, the, she was interviewed, uh, Bajari, she goes, it was very difficult, this, she goes. <laughs> she goes, I keep, by mistake, calling it him and her or whatever, and then they say, you know, it, it. And so she goes, you know, Bajari Gurdishi is there. She's going, now, I now call it they, and there, and it. It's a learning process, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> see, you see this Bajari, her life has been rocked, Yeah. Her life has been rocked, but she's just trying to deal with it. You know what I mean? She doesn't want to upset her daughter. And uh, um, so for 11 months, they didn't tell the child. And they didn't tell her. 
and getting her used to it, used to it. After 11 months, she's basically been able to see now what the child is, but she's now used to now calling it it. And that's what it must be referred to until the child then determines what they want to be. This is a madness, okay? This, though, is not actually as mad as you may think when you recognize what liberalism has brought. When you worship the I and the me, when you worship complete freedom and so on and so forth, this is what you will get. This is our number one biggest challenge in our lives. Forget about Shubhat Shahwat. It is number one. The ideology of the I and the me. And that is the exact polar opposite to the ideology of Islam. For Islam, it's Allah. And we are nothing. We are servants. In fact, not only are we nothing, but to almost emphasize that, our phrase is Abdullah and Amatullah. We are slaves of the only one that's something. Because you could say there's a something and we are just, you know, nothing. Or we are whatever. But then say we are servants and slaves and everything yani, is subservient to what Allah says. So that's the truth. And it's gone so much in the opposite direction that you get this kind of mentalness and nonsense and whatever. So when you've got this happening with kids, what about then with adults where you know you do what you want and say what you want and believe what you want? And the, the biggest problem is that it has many benefits. The benefits of a cohesive society that lives in peace where everybody accepts one another. Let alone, forget the confusion. Forget, the, forget yeah, how, much, how sick it makes you feel. Forget all that. Just look at the rosy side. That is why people are flocking to it. And it is. It's now... It's now Completely dominating our discourse. You can't say the wrong thing. You know, you can't say every time you see. You see or the, I think the best is just watching commentators on TV dealing with it. So, you know, every time they say, you know, uh, this is the World Cup, uh, men's World Cup, you know, and they talk about this is the greatest uh, performance we've seen in the history of sport. Men's sport, I meant to say. Yeah, just keep adding that line as they remember they had, they've got to focus on saying men, women, or it, or humans. It's a madness. Anyway. anyway, so what we said is that the fitna of the dunya is these two types, a shahawat and a shubuhat. Okay, and both of these are genuinely deadly, especially when you fall for your desires and you can't get out. And I don't want you to be thinking of the people who fall for their desires as all dumb and whatever. These are addictive by nature and they are beautiful by nature as well. Don't forget that. That's another mistake that we teach our children. Or not just our children, but even our adults. We say to them, yeah, any women out there who are dressed, they are undressed, I mean, or you know, walking around in whatever state of undress, they are hags of the hellfire. No, they're not. They look absolutely amazing. This music, it is the sounds of hellfire. Right, that beat is sick. When they drop that bass, my heart's going dum 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 as well. <laughs> Right? This wine, it is the devil's urine. Shirab. Bishab. <laughs> we were told that all our lives. My dad, from the day one, he said, He goes, Look at these people drinking urine. And yeah, we were basic people. I mean, what did we know? It looks like you're custom for the longest time I thought they were drinking urine. Why would I know any different? It stinks like urine. I mean, it really stinks, doesn't it? I mean, when did it ever smell nice? Yeah? And it looks like urine. Foams like urine. Color like urine. I swear to you, I thought it was urine. So, you know, 
how outdated if you've grown up like that or you think that sharab is forbidden because it smells urine or it's like urine, right? And you've got a generation you're giving da'wah to who are growing up on alcohol pops, for example, or some sick yani uh, Baileys with uh, coffee liqueur or whatever. That must taste sick. It must taste sick. Or there must be some wine people out there that have got some sick wines. And this is in 1872. <laughs> that must be sick. I'd give it a, if it was halal, I'd give it a shot, bro. <laughs> they do a good job marketing, ain't it? WKD? What was that guy, WKD? Nurse? Nurse? How's that been called? Secret WKD drinker. You know, the guy, you know, he's in. He's, huh? The guy's got flu. He's not got flu, he's got a cold, yada, but he makes it out like he's, got, he's dying of flu. Nurse? Nurse? <laughs> My favorite advert ever. Chicken soup advert. Come on, man. Get with the program. Anyway, the point is that it's a lie. It's a lie when we focus on telling the people that it's haram, that it's disgusting, it's this. It's not. Maybe some of it is, but the others of it is tasting very good. The feeling is very good. The social benefits are very, very good. Yeah? You see what's interesting? Uh, those who are cricket fans, if you saw the big picture of the week. The big picture of the week is the picture of the England dressing room at the Oval with the Australian team and the England team after the Ashes. They've drawn it to war. They've been swearing each other, cussing each other, trying to hurt each other and physically hurt each other while knocking each other out you know, on a cricket pitch. And they all go in and every single person is holding a bottle of beer, wine, whatever, a couple of cans of Coke, but basically dominated by the drinking culture, which is our social reality. This picture is being celebrated, it's gone viral everywhere because it's showing that enemies on the pitch, we keep it on the pitch, but when it comes to the human level, then where you know we respect each other, etc. So there are social benefits and there are the perceived social benefits are even more than the actual social benefits. And in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there is khair in it. But the ifm is greater than the benefits. So I'm saying that one of the mistakes that we make is to try to make all of these things out to be evil from a dunya point of view and they're not. We've got to be encouraging our youth, our children, our, ourselves, that all of these would give you a benefit in this dunya, but to have taqwa and to discipline yourself is better for you. So shahwat are really, really a major threat to us in this dunya because they're so good, because they're so addictive, because they're so nice, because the body and our dopamine receptors and serotonin receptors and whatever crave for them all the time so shubuhat and shahawat okay folks uh, as for mamat what are the meanings of the fitna of mamat number one either that which is after death specifically the questioning of the angels so we know of the hadith of bara that when a person passes away and they are the journey of the soul brings them back to the grave and in the grave they will be asked about their lord and their deen and their prophet the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he um, said that the person will be asked, Marabuk, and the one who is a believer, and the one who is firm, he will say, Rabbi Allah, my Lord is Allah. It will be then asked to him, Man Nabiyuk, who is your Prophet? And he will say, Nabi Muhammad, that my Prophet is Muhammad. And then it will be asked, Ma Dinuk, what is your religion? And he will say, or she will say, Dini al Islam, my religion is Islam. And it will be the easiest thing that they've ever done. As for those people who were sinners in this life, or kuffar in this life, or people who did not practice Islam properly in this life, and we seek refuge from that, 
the hadith says that they will say, um, uh, uh, they will struggle, and they will not be able to articulate it. They will not be able to remember it. Sheikh Uthaymeen says, the position of these people and what then happens to them as they get struck, as they're not able to answer, is an indication also of the well-known principle that we speak about in fiqh, of jahl, of ignorance, being of two types. You have jahl basir and jahl murakkal, simple ignorance and compounded ignorance. The person who doesn't know says, I don't know. He says, I don't know. I don't know. What's, who's, who's your Lord? I don't know. Who is your Prophet? I don't know. He doesn't say that though. The Prophet ﷺ indicates that he did know and he forgot. That he was yani, part of a learning process. Or worse, was taught that and then left it as insignificant. Now he's desperately trying to recall that which he was taught. And so therefore he's trying to recall, recall and he can't remember. And this is a more cursed position, can you believe, than the one who says, I don't know. The one who would say, I don't know, because that's simple ignorance. And this is someone who willfully, willfully took upon the responsibility and then let it slip because he doesn't care for it. Not knowing about it. Yani, you know, the first one doesn't know about it. This one does know about it. So he's even worse situation. So, Allah understand. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Yeah. Doesn't that count for something yeah. in the grave? So the question is, is that already we know, okay, that every single person has already declared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that yes, you are our Lord. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when we gathered the people, Surah Al-A'raf, and he said to them, Am I not your Lord? They said, Bala. So they all recognized that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is their Lord at that time. Yeah. That time there does not is not considered the... Uh, forgetting that time is not seen as the punishment of someone knowing in this life. Does that make sense? Because you're saying, well, hold on, everybody's forgotten then. Yeah. yeah. So I'm saying that's not the case because everybody has forgotten. Yeah. So we're all on the line now again. It's now about what you learn in this life. You are being held accountable in the grave, not for what happened before, but what happened in this life and what you were exposed to. Otherwise, if we were to follow quid pro quo what you're saying, then all of the kuffar will be Muslims. No, but then, th- therefore, by your definition, then there will be no disbelief then. No, I'm not saying by that. I'm saying the same rule that applies to Allah. Okay. No, I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Okay. So. Um, the second opinion on what does the, de- the fitna of the death mean? All right, it means the time of death. So the fitna mamat is either that, what I just mentioned, the fitna post-death, or it means the fitna at the time of death. Someone could argue, hold on, what well, that happens in life. Yeah? And so why is it not included? And the answer is, is because the, some of these uh, 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 punishments or trials are general, and then you have specific ones. So for example, the last one is going to be He's a fitna of life. So why is he being mentioned separately? Because his fitna is the greatest fitna of all. Meaning that there are specifics that specify the general. So it's quite possible for a person to say, protect me from the punishment of the life and then punishment of death itself. Even though that punishment of death will happen during life too. What is the punishment or what is the trial of death at the time of death? Pain, doubt, stress, Everything that we know. The Prophet ﷺ said, um, 
So first of all, actually, the fir- the, 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 the first one is uh, uh, where you will end up. The Prophet said, This hadith is, of course, one of the most famous hadith, the hadith of Arba'in Nawawiya, that a person will reach towards his uh, uh, end until he's only but an arm span away. So he's literally there. And he will be a person that has practiced his entire life the actions of the people of Jannah. And then at the end of his life, he will just literally do one action. It's just this much of the actions of the people of Nar, and he will die upon that, and that's where he will end up. So this hadith, which is one of the most authentic hadith, you knowing that, you can imagine how stressful the last moments are. You're always thinking, if you've been a basic Muslim all your life, and you're protecting what you've got, then the real protection time is that last moment. And you don't want to concede at that moment, because then it's game over in its entirety. Um, And this is a moment which Sheikh Uthameen says that shaitan is therefore super focused. Yeah, and he, he can do everything that he wants all his life. But this hadith gives him the license to really come at you with everything that he has at this specific, at this specific moment. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Qiyamah, كَلَّا إِذَا بَلَغَتِ التَّرَاقِ وَقِيلَ مَنْ رَاقِ When Allah says, nay, when the soul reaches the collarbone and when it is uh, said, is there uh, where is the healer? Where is the one who saves? From Raqi, you know, Ruqya? Yeah? Where is the one who will save me to save me? Where is he? And So, could any healer save him now when he knows that it is the final parting? At that moment, when his legs are then brought together, and on that day, he will be driven towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that moment, they are going to be desperate. Allah has already said that in the Quran. Where is the one who's going to give me some protection? Where is the one who's going to heal me from this moment, from its pain, from its ideological uh, uh, problem, everything. So everything and anything could happen. You know, we, you know, one thing that I found interesting. Everybody seems to know the story of Imam Ahmed, the story of Imam Ahmed, yeah, of what happened to him at his death. So I just want to, I, I want to um, ask actually as a, as an experiment, uh, who has a version of the story of Imam Ahmed uh, uh, on this issue? Who knows something? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. He was asked. He was. Uh, he was on his deathbed. And yep. He was saying, uh, not, was it not yet? Not yet. Also, I can't remember. Go. No. This. This is why yeah. I want you to, to try to recall the version that you think it is. Um, so saying something uh, negative, and they said, "Well, why? Why? Why are you? Um, why? Why are you saying that?" And he goes, "He uh, goes because I haven't escaped from the." Um, Okay, alright. He was saying to me, I escaped my grip. He was saying, he was saying, huh? Shaitan was saying to him that you've escaped my grip, and he was saying that. Okay, so Shaitan was saying to him that you've escaped my grip. Okay, anybody else? Go on, Jiva. Okay. Okay. Right. So that's interesting, right? they were saying to him doing talqeen. Talqeen is when you gently say, say the shahada. 
say la ilaha illallah. Say la because Prophet said whoever says la ilaha illallah, dakhil al jannah. Whoever's last statement is la ilaha illallah, they went into paradise. So you always yeah, you tell the dead one, the dying one, to you know nicely and gently. And he kept saying no, no, no. And they were like shocked, yeah, you know, why is that? And then uh, he was semi-conscious. Then when he came to consciousness, he, they said, why did you say that? He was saying, no, I was not saying that to you. I was saying that to shaitan. Okay. Another narration, Shazad, Shazad one had no mention of that whatsoever. Okay. And the one that Sheikh Uthameen, he uh, mentions, and I'm going to translate that in its exactness. Okay. Um, he said that Imam Ahmed was in the final moments of the, you know, unconsciousness, consciousness, Sakaratul Maut. And it was heard from him. He was saying, not yet, not yet. Ba'd, ba'd. Okay? And when he then came round, they said, what were you saying? He goes, that shaitan, كان يعد أناملهم. He, his, the, the, the shaitan was there and he's biting his nails. Right? And, uh, uh, you've basically escaped from it. Ahmed. You won. You blagged it. You did it. You did it. And he's, you know, man, I missed out. Nedman wa hasratan. You know, he's like, I've lost. You know, he's doing a dirty on Iblis, you know, trying to put him at ease. Like, you know, to put, basically put his defenses down. That you've won, man. Khalas, you've won. And I missed out on the big fish. I missed out. And he's right there in front of Ahmed telling him that. Okay. And Imam Ahmed said to him, not yet. Not yet. I.e., until my soul has actually gone, that's the only time that I will be uh, safe. But whilst my soul is in my body, then it is 100% at risk. 100% at risk. Which is why the dua is such an emphasized one. رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِغْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا Once the hidayah has come, Ya Allah, don't allow my heart to go astray. That, there's no expiry on that. Until that has left the body, the ruh has left the body, that's the only time then you are actually uh, safe. Now, I'll tell you what was um, what's interesting to me, is that we've got a few different versions here. And what I find sometimes is our, our unnatural focus on trying to definitely find a story from the early times, which I understand why we do that, because every story from the Salaf, or every incident from the Salaf has some barakah and has some depth, and they're big people. But the truth is, is that we don't need to be struggling to get the exact form of a particular story. We should know enough of people of our own families, of know, of those that we know. We should know that yani, all the time we're being uh, tested, waswas are coming all the time. So it's very important that we don't just try to, you know, fant- not fantasy, m- m- maybe make it something mythical or something kind of fairy tale, or what, I don't know what the word, like a legend. This is real. This is absolutely real. Forget about the moment of death when you are being tempted by shaitan. People are doing it openly without any shaitanic, satanic influence. You know what they say about shaitan is that his focus is upon the tough people. It's true. He's got the masses easily. A few things here and there. He's got a lot of the world, the systems working for him. No problem at all. He then starts focusing on those people who are far, far, far more valuable. You know, the MVPs as, as are... You know, they're more valuable because take that person down, you take a whole lot of people down. You know, and that's why people need to recognize if they're in a position of responsibility. And responsibility doesn't necessarily mean, you know, scholar or Muslim leader. It doesn't necessarily always mean, um, you know, doctor, dentist, counselor. 
but definitely these people have to be far more aware of their own behavior and their reputation because especially in a very very uh, celebrity stroke authority kind of uh, authority uh, aggrandizing world that we live in our identities basically people are such such a group a, a bunch of losers right that their own mood is connected to the the fortunes of other people like never before in history never before in history have we been so obsessed with other people and if someone falls then we kind of fall with it which is absolute madness absolute madness and we've lost that ability to be able to you know see people that we love and take their good and but keep them there and if they do you know wrong things or whatever then that's their problem and i'm not going to go there but you know we collapse oh yeah no can you believe it oh, oh. and they start to leave islam or stop practicing or what which is patheticness okay um but because that is the, re- the reality and that's true then these people at the top have to be extra careful not to slip and that's nothing wrong with that that's the, there's nothing wrong using the embarrassment of what would happen in, to them in front of the people as an extra kind of you know uh, an extra kind of fillet to use to be on the straight and narrow. I think that's important. And by the way, when I say leaders, I mean visibly important people. W- women wearing hijab, for example. Men having beards. People who pray. These are people who are the leaders of today. It's irony. But like I said recently, the standards of our leadership are so low that all of us have become leaders. That's the truth. All of us are now, yani, you know, I don't want to diss anyone, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, Okay, what's happening, man? This lesson's gone on for like 26 hours, man. What's happening? 109. I thought the new, the new system was that no more than... Uh, what happened to that guy in, in Bengali Mosque and the mosque in London? Who, he's, a pre- he's asleep, yeah? He prayed Isha before Isha time. They pre- what if we made them leave the masjid and not pray Isha? They said, this guy's gone on too long. They'll stay for Isha. If they're going to stay for Isha, they've got to pray Isha. They've got to pray. We should go on. They're going to have to pray Isha there somewhere, wherever they are. They've stopped the lesson. They've given me a dance. Now maybe <laughs> Allah Akbar. All right. Let's take some uh, questions. Solange, are you feeling ill? Is that, is that what's going on? Is there a doctor in the house? Normally, normally it happens when someone yeah, has got an emergency. Don't make us upset, Yara. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, not a dream, bro. Oh, oh goodness, that's very important. Yeah, not a dream. I mean, in fairness, this is not the most authentic hadith in history that we have to take what happened as absolute, you know, fact. But all of the various narrations indicate that this is something that he was actually physically experiencing, not a dream. Yeah. You've beaten me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, of course, his, you know, his lying and blagging is his number one trick. You know, he knows that people are too clever to just basically be told, you know, don't do this or do that, it's haram, whatever, whatnot. You know, especially practicing people, especially scholars, right? Scholars, you know, you know, you hear that cliche, people, we're all the same, we just sin differently. Yeah. Um, that's so true. But also, we're all the same, but our strengths are different. Okay, it's also so true. You're not picking up a scholar on missing salah or zina or X or what, I mean, top class people. 
you're picking them up on things like intention, ego, uh, you know, arrogance, refusing to believe that you're right, uh, the embarrassment of being proven wrong, having to make an about turn, which is even worse nowadays because your mistake is taken too far. Right? You say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, everybody knows, and then to correct it, you think, oh man, how am I going to correct this? Everyone's going to find out. It's going to be super embarrassing. Whereas before, if I said the wrong thing in a small crowd, I just got to tell the same small crowd, and that's it. Now you've got to apologize to the whole bloody world. You know what I'm saying? Not that this is a problem for me at all. Astaghfirullah, you lot, yeah, you just want me to fall, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem, I've got no friends, I've got no friends at all. Only my Shazada is the only guy who cares for me, you know. That's why I'll throw all of you under the bus for Shazada, that's you straight. All of you, and online. Just in case you're thinking it's a numbers thing. Haji, questions? There's a long time left, to be honest. We've run out of chocolates, man. That's what happens when Dr. Shazada's not here. Shut up, man. Like, why is everyone tight today? I don't understand. Why has everyone yani, gone into like diet mode today? Is it? Yeah, that's the problem. You see, my I punish myself by sharing, and I'm gonna yani, you may be one of those where you give and then you receive a whole load back. But it didn't work today. <laughs> Cello. Uh, we can carry on. See, if Udad was here, she would say, "Shut up and carry on." Where's Mesa, by the way? Is she? She's been very quiet, isn't it? Normally she would say, can, excuse me, can you get back to lesson please and stop eating chocolate? Oh, it's been cussed, yeah? <laughs> Done. Oh, hello. Yes, everybody needs a bit of Mesa in their life, something straight. Otherwise we would just... Whoa, what happened to our video, blah, blah, blah. Raheel, we want to know where you made the cake, bro. That's what we want to know. Did you make that in thingy? Are there any questions online? There is, yeah. Come on then, let's do the questions. Right, why do you find your questions? Who's got a question here? Who's said whatever? Because I'm going to start eating chocolate again, that's why. Yeah. That's why they put photos of cancerous lungs on cigarette packages here. Some people are only going to quit smoking if they see what the consequences. That's true. Did the Prophet ﷺ only ever hear the punishment of the grave for those two specific people? Or were there other times he was allowed to? Did he... I don't know of any other time. Now there is a discussion amongst the fuqaha... What did the Prophet see on the Isra and Mi'raj? Okay, sorry, not Isra and Mi'raj. On the night that he saw what in some hadith, this is the whole point, in some hadith was meant to be Jannah and Nar. So the hadith of the one whose mouth was being filled with rocks and then pushed out further and the people who were burning. So there are some that said that this was the proof of hell being existent now. Then the question is how are people being punished in it? So that therefore... The scholars interpreted that as the easiest way out is going to be, that's the punishment of the grave. Hellfire is existent because he's already in other hadith said that it exists. But the punishment, because the people are in their graves and have not gone to hell, hell as a place, they might be having a portion of hell in their grave, which is a hadith states, but not have gone to hell, hell. So what he's seeing is actually the punishment of the grave. So there's some discussion about that, but that's differed over. It's not direct. And Allah knows best. Would that person who has difficulty answering be the person from the question? Yeah, we already mentioned uh, this one, um, uh, this hadith. This is the hadith that there will be no person, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, uh, there will be a person that will act, you know, all his life according to the people of Jannah, and then at the end, then they will do a bad action, then they're the people of the fire. The question is, is that is that the one who will not know how to respond? 
Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Did you mention about the rook leaving the body like uh, going out very easily or like a cotton in the uh, thorn bush? Uh, as, as, a, as, as part of the, the, the pain? Uh, as part of the trial of death? Yeah, I think that's included uh, in it. I think that's included when you've got these two opinions, folks, yeah? Uh, that is the fitnat al-mahya wal-mamat. Mamat referring to death, the moment of death or after death. As we just said, as we said before, at the moment of death is including not just physical pain, but the doubts and the shubuhat. It's, bo- it's both. It's the whole package. And we know it's very, very uh, painful. The Prophet Sallallahu you know how painful it was upon him. And they said that, of course, that he could take the pain of ten men. But he was in extreme pain. And that the Sakarat al-Maut is a, is a horrible, it's a horrible thing. And... That's not even the type of pain of the ghayb which we don't even understand. And as what Shazad just said, which is the pain that the soul will go through when the soul is taken out from the body in a very beautiful way for the people of Jannah and a very painful as well, way as well. We don't know what the nature of that pain is, but certainly we know from palliative care that people are in incredible pain. By all measurements, they are in immense pain anyway, right? They said... I don't know if the medics will know this, but whatever. I just remember someone saying that uh, the simplest palliative care is like bone cancer. They said bone cancer is the most painful pain. Is that true? Doc, is that true? Bone pain or bone cancer? What's, what's the, the most painful pain that can happen to the body? So we can shut these women up with their bloody pregnancy. Huh? Is it? That's what we say. That's what we pack say. But what's the, what's the, what's the legit... You know, medical fact. Toothache, you're packing. <laughs> nurse! Nurse, chicken soup! <laughs> huh? In, in, in medicine, yeah? Subhanallah. How about that? The kidney stone, yeah? I know that you just weren't about to pull rank, because that's my doctor right there. Dr. Zafar, you stay in your lane, bro. Dr. Zafari, doctor is not even a GP. <laughs> he doesn't get an opinion. Are you kidding me? Adhan Kata? Jiji, Bismillah, Bismillah. You're saved by the Adhan then. Yeah.
Okay, folks, we have 12 minutes left. Okay, in these 12 minutes, we're going to do the following. One, I'm going to finish this particular part in two minutes. Then we're going to go and do some questions. <coughs> and then we're going to find out about this cake. And then we're going to answer any questions that are remaining. So in terms of finishing, we've now got two meanings for fitna and mahya uh, mamat. Is it after death or before death? Sheikh Uthameen says that there's no reason why it can't be both. And he's right. It's all associated with death, whether it's there at that moment or, be, or after. And therefore, it's required for the believer to prepare for both and to assume it to be both. And when you're making dua, you make dua from both as a complete understanding of protection from the trial of death. The last question he asked, he goes, we just mentioned the angels in the grave, but we don't see these angels. We don't yani, hear those questions. Is it a real asking or is it something that comes to their mind? Is it like a dream or so? And the answer is that it is real. It is literal. And the hadith make that yani, very, very clear. That's not to say that it couldn't have come as part of a dream. Of course it could happen like that. But the Prophet ﷺ has indicated it is real. And uh, the reason that we should accept that is because we accept all of our aqidah that as long as it's established authentically to be like that, whether we understand it or not. And secondly, that don't always think that just because I don't see it in the way that I want to understand it, i.e. people questioning or two you know, questions going back and forth in a conversation happening, like I understand in this life, and it's not happening in a grave because of restricted space. You know, don't, uh, don't put all your eggs in that basket. Just like when you see a person who's dreaming, and they're going through all the kind of emotions and God knows what, and then they, they wake up and they say to you, this was happening, that was happening, and the kind of things that the body goes through. We spoke a little bit about that before. So that's the only basically leaves us on page 190, which means that next week we start, وَفِتْنَةِ til الدَّجَّالِ Okay, and that it's and seeking refuge from the fitna of the anointed Messiah or whatever you want to call it. All right, let's get down to questions before we read my guy Yanni and his uh, down at the bottom. How, how to deal with people swearing at work in your presence? No idea, Lala. Put your hand in your pocket, say, I will pay at the end of the week anybody who replaces a swear word with another word, I will give them. Uh, X or Y I'll take him out to dinner I'll take him out Whatever You know A lot of people You know what it is I'll tell you something A lot of folks They ask a lot of questions About these kind of things Like How do I pray at work How do I get around This How can I stop people Swearing at work Whatever whatnot. People uh, Are thinking that There's some kind of Easy answer When most of the time They just need to be creative And understand the people That they're dealing with And put their hand in their pocket Like how many times Have I been asked that question About how am I going to deal With prayer at work Especially now Winter's coming Yep and why did I not hear these people say, you know what, go to the employer, say, I'll work an extra hour for you every day if you give me half an hour back in return. Half an hour for an hour. I'll give you half an hour, you give me, I'll give you an hour, you give me half an hour where you don't give me any stress and allow me to take, yes, 
the most craziest break at one fifteen, and then another one at two fifteen, and then another one at you know four fifteen. Yeah, I know you think I'm nuts, but I'm only taking you know ten minutes each time, and I'm giving an hour back. So what's your problem? You know what I'm saying? But people don't because we're packed, isn't it? We want it for free. We want a solution for free, and we want it on their time. I don't care about your liberal rights. I'm not a hypocrite like that. I'm ready to pay for it. I don't believe in liberal rights. Not at this liberal arts college. This ain't liberal arts masjid. All right? Take care. Right. Any questions in this class? Gigi. Hamza. So the question is, is that for the shaheed, is it, a, is it different? Yes, it is because the shaheed is protected from the trials of the grave, not because they're not in the grave. Right? Because we said that the, the punishment of the grave will afflict the person wherever they are, however they are, whatever the nature of their body. Yeah? But one of the benefits of the shaheed is that they are protected from the punishment of the grave. And there are other actions as well, which would be nice to gather, actually, as a reminder. Uh, sorry, uh, Cam. Um, last week we discussed about um, punishment of the grave in terms of how, they, you know, how much punishment they get based on the sins they commit. Yes. Does that mean they're already judged? So they so that's a good question. If person, if a person is being punished before Judgment Day, then what's the point of Judgment Day? It's already been determined, and the answer is that maybe that punishment, which is going through at that time in the grave, is what saves them on Judgment Day, because Hellfire is altogether far more beyond our minds in punishment than what happens in the grave which is far more beyond our minds what happens at the punishment at the moment of death, which is far more beyond what we can ever imagine, which is the punishment of this life, and so on and so forth. And we have to remember that everything is an expiation. So no, the answer is that not that it stops judgment or that is the judgment. It indicates that either that is the direction of a person and or it indicates that there's a possibility that that would be sufficient, like time served, as they say. right? Time served before you even get to the court. They give you the court, the sentence. You've already served your sentence. We know that there will be many, many people that will sin and that will be punished, but they will eventually have the right end. The hadith of the last person who leaves, who enters Jannah is the exact example. This person's given up entire hope. He's been punished all throughout, throughout, for everything that he did or she did. Uh, yeah, Jiva. Yeah, I think it is a statement. No, no, not, not a statement of shock, but he was certain on what he thought that the Muslims would not be punished in the, in the grave. That is simply what he thought. Yeah, and, he, and the Jew thing there is only because it was a Jew who said it, that you're going to be punished, meaning that you know, we're all going to go through that. So you just, you know, may Allah protect you. May God protect you. Uh, so uh, I don't think it was anything specific to the Jews, and I don't think it was anything specific in terms of shock. I think the general... Uh, the, the, the point that we've always understood from this is that he just couldn't see it for himself and he was told it like he's told everything else actually all of Sharia he didn't know and was told it yeah bit by bit come on let's, hear, let's read Rahil's uh, story we've got to understand the cake you saw the cake right so you might as well ask an artist to explain his art or ask a poet to explain his poem it defeats the purpose. The meaning is only clear through the... What is that? What is that? Anyway, Leopold Logo is attempt to refute the basic principle that, that all that, that everything that is najis is haram, but not everything that is haram is najis. 
If the cake has already been devoured, you ask an explanation. That's not bad, that. I like that. Jilani Burger symbolizes our darkest, deepest desires. And Mark Flippin Weens is our reaction when we get to enjoy such deep desires. Lala's alright, Lala's alright, you know that. And when we do get our desires, we want more of it. So we end up having some hug and does. And too much of anything is a bad idea. And too much of all the above will take you straight to the latrine. Where we end up facing two of Fiqh's greatest choices. The lota in one corner and the tissue stone in the other corner. And as a pack, I wholeheartedly endorse the opinion that Istinja is better than Istijmar, like every pack here, and a true pack does believe, mashallah, a true pack will never stand paper touching their soft ends, much less stones filleting their backside. <laughs> Said like a champ. Said like a champ. Now back to Liverpool. Just as much as we, my United fans, love to hate Liverpool, we absolutely love to love our knight in shining armor. Shah Shazad Salim. Allah Akbar, Allah. This is an ode to you, Shazad. The man whom a lot of us online folks still haven't met. Yet he works tirelessly through rain and snow. Huh? <laughs> they, they don't see his position sitting there. All of us, you know, like kebabs sitting there dying. Guy's got a position next to the wall. Anyway, through broken internet connections, I'll give that. And weekly bestie done by the... What? <laughs> Zafar, that's unfair, isn't it? Yeah. Helping every single week to broadcast LP episodes straight to our devices and our hearts. We salute you, good sir. You truly are a great servant of logical progression and you truly are deserving of the Queen's Love and Award. Which brings me to the one that the Sheikh called a chubby hamster in his Facebook post. Her Majesty the Queen. Actually, I don't understand. That chubby hamster, it was Shazad I was referring to. If you look at his face, you know, he was, mashallah, a lot fatter then than he is now. Now he's a stud. But obviously back then he does look like a chubby hamster. She might be as old as the British Empire, but it's the love for the Queen that binds us Canadians to the Brits, and we both serve Her Royal Highness. And now as that ancient majestic beast faces the dreaded Brexit, we must all do our part in ensuring our beloved Queen doesn't simply dwindle away into relevance. Let's all make dua for her. Amen. Well, there you have it. The cake and its design explained. It's not its. It's its without an apostrophe. Okay? Every single feature has a meaning, and at the core of it, it's always been a logical progression. That's the its that needed apostrophe. <laughs> Well, maybe minus, and maybe, maybe is one word, not two words. Maybe, minus the explanation about the queen, that was useless, but that's fiqh, isn't it? Fiqh encompasses everything, the useful and also the useless. Allahu Akbar, may God bless LP, God bless Sheikh A.E., God bless Sheikh Sazad Salim, and God bless the queen. Ameen. I agree with that. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Zakallah khair. Well done, Raheel, well done. All right, folks, inshallah, next week, the time is 7.30 next week. Okay, folks, 7.30, I think, Shazad. Yeah? I think it is 7.30 online. Obviously, Maghrib is going to be early here. So be here for 7 or whatever it is before 7. And um, any other announcements? November Umrah, lots of American. The American prices are cheaper if you're clever. If you're American, go through the American website. I learned that blag today. And if you're a Brit, then get ready to put your hand in your pocket and your other pocket and your other pocket and your other pocket because you are getting stung for November, mate. All right. جزاكم الله خير سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت واستغفرك اللهم واتوب اليك والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله